this is going to be slightly different to what we're all used to here on three men one fall uh we're actually <laughs> we're down to one man <laughs> one fall so we'll explain everything uh really just in the intro here but we've <laughs> <laughs> it's been technical issue after technical issue after life getting in the way uh but ash was with me uh, as we usually do these over zoom jay unfortunately you couldn't make today's um but <laughs> ash <laughs> uh, if um if technophobe could ever be used to describe somebody then you could certainly use it to describe ash and uh yeah so he's <laughs> after numerous attempts at recording this episode uh it looks like it's just going to be me so i apologize to everybody who is going to sit here and listen to me uh on my own for the next probably 2 hours <laughs> for, <laughs> to cover essentially a month's worth of wrestling news so I hope you do enjoy, uh, but yeah, let's let's go for it. Three men, kind of wonderful. So, once again, this is Three Men, One Fall, just the one man today, and I am Russ. It's going to feel, it already feels very weird doing this on my own, but we will get through. And we're going to cover the news, but first of all, an explanation. So, we have been absent for the last month, and um, as I say in the intro, that is largely due to technical issues, at least for where we've been trying to record the episodes but also uh, we have had quite a lot going on um there was various moves uh that we were all involved with ash unfortunately was taken out of commission and he tested positive for covid19 um so he was he was pretty poorly with it but fortunately he is uh halfway vaccinated but he is doing very well now you will be pleased to know and um, it should be back with us for our next episode, as will Jay, who, again, unfortunately, just couldn't be here with us today. But for our next episode, where we will be covering uh, what was originally scheduled for the month of July, the uh, look back at Brock Lesnar's UFC run, and I'm sure we probably will include the K1 fight in there as well. So... Initially, oh, actually, right, we should probably go from the very, very beginning. So the first scheduled episode of July was supposed to be the review um, of the comic books Invasion from Planet Wrestletopia. And um, unfortunately, we we weren't able to get that episode out. No longer had access to the copies that we were kindly sent. Um, It just it was tricky fitting it into the schedule throughout the year. But from what I can see, um, you know, they they are well underway now with their... um, their uh, press releases and everything else and you know from what I did read of those comics they were really cool there's not really much out there like them and you know you can definitely they're definitely worth checking out to be honest with you and they are available to purchase uh, from any e-commerce reliable e-commerce store you can check them out Uh, it's Invasion from Planet Wrestletopia that's the name of the six-part series of comic books and they are available now, I believe. Right. We're going to get straight in to the news today. Uh, I mean, as of... I mean, this was literally two hours ago. 
WWE announced that they had parted ways with Bray Wyatt. They wished him well in his future endeavours. And this news, quite honestly, uh, took me back. I am absolutely shook. I cannot understand, cannot understand how WWE have come to this decision. I understand that there have been, uh, you know, various sort of rumours online um, that could, you know, suggest that maybe his mental health has played a factor in that. And if it if that is the case, then of course that's not up for anybody to, to speculate. That's his own personal life. If it is just a case that, you know, from what they're stating, some people is that it is just literally a budget cut. How on earth do you look at budget cuts and the first person to come to mind is Bray Wyatt? I can't. I just. I. I can't. I don't have the answer to it. It's absolutely baffling to me. I am bamboozled, bamboozled by this decision. I just can't understand. just don't understand. We'll go into sort of, I suppose, what we do know, and it's very little what we do know at the moment, but um, obviously one of the things that came out was Vince McMahon had made the comments. Uh, you see how disorganised I am because I haven't got them in front of me and I was, I was literally just trying to find them then, but he made the comments uh, along the lines of He's not quite sure, I think, what the plan is. I, I, I think from a financial aspect, what the plan might be with AEW. Um, but made the comment that, you know, I suppose we can give them more of our talent. So, <laughs> you know, and then that, basically this happens. And it's, it is it is weird. Again, I don't know, and nobody knows, um, apart from Bray and those closest to him, obviously. And, you know, if it is anything mental health-wise, again wrestling be damned really health comes first it's more important you know and he's got a family so you know if it is anything to do with that then you know fuck where he goes or what he's done or anything else like just get yourself get yourself in a good place you know but if if it is wrestling related i i I mean this is what i don't understand i mean if if bray is a part of budget cuts like when any other company makes a budget cut like you Obviously, yeah, you clear overheads and everything else. I know that kind of falls in line, particularly with rumours, if they are still gathering motion and steam. I think they are about WWE potentially selling up uh, or Vince selling up. So it could be, you know, all these budget cuts are, are to get ready for that. But when you when, when companies do this, like you keep your stars. And I don't think you could look at The Fiend and say that that wasn't one of WWE's biggest attractions. I mean, the, the whole thing that they're doing now with Alexa Bliss, which is a central part, it's a, an integral part, albeit it's not it's not really for me anymore. I kind of liked it at first. It's just not it's in for me now. But, like, initially, yeah. But Alexa Bliss is a, is a big part of Raw and the storylines that are playing out on there. So, you know, and that all stemmed from the Fiend character. So I don't. I just can't really understand the the business sense behind it. And I, I, I'm not a businessman. I, I I understand that, but you know, WWE's whole thing is we put smiles on faces. Whose? You can't put a, f- a smile on my face, Vince, because I'm fucking half asleep when I'm watching your show. And that was something that came out quite recently as well. You know, one of the things that came out around about Thursday's quarterly investors conference call was this whole, like, you know, Vince doesn't see AEW uh, as competition, not in the same way, at least, that he saw Ted Turner's WCW. And to be honest, I, that, that's getting a lot of, of flack, but to be honest, it's not. It isn't. You know, Ted Turner's pockets were much larger than Tony Khan's, and he's not got small pockets, but Ted Turner was a legitimate threat to Vince. He was coming after Vince, and he was trying to shut him down. At this point in time and in this decade, in this age, WWE is not going to be shut down by AEW. It's just not going to happen. If WWE struggles, they've done that to themselves. Because whether or not there was an alternative or not, if people don't enjoy watching a product, they will simply stop watching. And that has already become evident within the last few years for WWE's television products, particularly Raw. SmackDown is improving, but it still isn't at the level where it, it should, maybe you could say, or could be. Or at least, for certainty, where it has been. And that's one of the problems. So Vince coming out and, and saying these sort of things, okay, yeah, it's all well and good. But 
there was the comment made that, well, no, the, the only competition, I think it was like a Netflix one, but something like that. The only competition is the one against sleep. And do you know what? That's right. <laughs> because it's so boring. It's a boring, I mean, Raw particularly, and I, I keep hammering on about Raw, I know, but it's a boring, boring show. And you've got Raw and SmackDown and NXT, and they do feel, at least they do feel different from each other now, but, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot of wrestling as it is. So if you can't put something out there that at least grabs the attention and is different in the right way, people have their, you know, you have, AEW's got its critics, and rightfully so. It's not going to be for everybody, but no wrestling company in the world is going to be for everybody, and people need to start understanding that. But you can't keep bashing other people for liking what they like. For those that like WWE... Leave them alone. Let them like it. When it comes to companies, there are diehards. And I think you see it more so with AEW and, and WWE. But th- that that becomes a very toxic environment, especially online. You know, even if someone's made a, a valid comment, someone jumps in and says, yeah, but AEW's trash or WWE's trash. Just leave it alone. That's your, Okay, it's their opinion. They chose to comment. You don't have to comment back. Like, just don't do it to yourselves. You're not in the wrong for liking what you like, and you're not in the wrong for disliking what you dislike. It just it's simple as that. Like what you like, don't be a dick about it. Brian Zane says it best. You know, we can't. I'm not trying to rip him off, like, but he's he's absolutely right. Um, but I I don't I don't understand this this whole thing. I just don't. I I can't see what like why would you want to feed more talent to AEW? Like if potentially again, and and that's if real life problems. Uh, aren't behind the release. You know, if if Bray is going to be looking at getting back into wrestling, you know, for whatever company that may be, I, I just can't understand it. I can't understand why Vince would, would let, basically let these guys go. No matter where he lands, if he's going to carry on with wrestling and he can be creative, and like we said about, of course, we're coming to now, Malachi Black, uh, you know, a guy that's, Got a lot, got a lot in his head that he wants to put out there for his character. A lot of ideas, and with how restrictive the WWE process can be, no matter where he ends up, I'm sure he'll be able to let his creative juices flow. Should he, you know, come back to wrestling or remain in wrestling, whatever, whatever the case may be. But yeah, Malachi Black, formerly Alistair Black, still sort of technically Tommy End, uh, <laughs> debuted. Uh, Dynamite, I nearly said Impact, debuted on Dynamite, I believe, 33 days after being released from the WWE, which of course does not fall in line with the usual 90-day no-compete that is in uh, everybody's contract. So, somebody gone fucked up. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I just can't, I, I don't, uh, it's another thing, there's a lot I don't understand, clearly. In this episode, but I I don't I don't get how that slipped through the cracks. It's very very odd, very odd indeed. So the first thing he did when the lights turned on and he's debuted and he stood in the ring, drops Arn Anderson, then drops Cody with it, with the uh, with the black mass I should say, and um, that sort of carried on for the last uh, sort of few weeks kind of thing. And I don't know they're building it up to be a strong finish. I love. Alistair Black's attention to detail with that character. So he's come out initially with the contact lens in his eye. And that's the callback to um, with Seth. I mean, when would that have been now? That's got to be like around about Money in the Bank time last year, right? So it's about a year ago. And when you think about it, that's the last real time he was really on TV with WWE, like properly. That, that is, it's, that's been evolving throughout the weeks as well. So he kind of had, I mean, last... Wednesday's dynamite, um, more black around the eye, and it's it looks like it's slowly sort of morphing into like that kind of half a skull face paint, similar to Darby Allen's, I guess. That that that's how it looked to me, at least. But I don't know. I don't know if that's going to become something, or you know. But I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I love watching these little little nuances that he puts in. I think he's very dedicated to this character. The only th- I tell you what, like, and I love Excalibur, I really do. But I. I <laughs> I think one of the things that makes him so good to listen to, from my, from my own perspective, I know not everyone shares that, but for me, 
I love that he can tie things into things that have happened in the indies because it gives them more legitimacy. And I love that about AW in general that they're not, you know, they're not scared of being able to name drop other companies. You know, there's no point pretending like they don't exist when you get all this talent from these other companies, you know. So I, I love that he can tie things in with what people did in like PWG and what they do in, uh, well, I was going to say New Japan, but they're having more of a presence now anyway. But, you know, just anywhere, really. And not New Japan is an indie company, but again, it's not AEW. It's not an American company, right? So so it's Tommy End that's just debuted. And Excalibur over commentaries like, that. that's not Tommy End. That's Malachi Black. How would you know that information? You know? Like, and I know that's a very, it's a very small thing in the grand scheme of things, but it's one of those things for me where it's a bit like, that doesn't make, like, that's just a bit too silly. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, there is no way you knew that. And if you did know that, why the fuck were you not speculating for the entire broadcast up until that point? I, I know there's probably other other arguments to it, and I'm not saying I'm necessarily right. It's just my opinion on it. Uh, it. I don't know, it just takes you out of it a little bit. But again, overall, fantastic debut. I would say probably one of their best ones yet. However... We're not done with AEW debuts. We've got so much to fucking go through. Why haven't we done another episode this month? <laughs> Other potential AEW debuts. There are two, potentially three, uh, rumoured signings. I think two seem a little bit more likely than the third. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Brock Lesnar, if you can believe that. So, it, it came out last week on a lot of different places that he signed I think the only thing that was really put out was that he signed with a company that isn't WWE that's literally it now I don't think it's UFC I don't think it's UFC for the reason that Dana I don't know why he would hide that I can't see him hiding that if UFC had uh indeed agreed a new contract with Brock Lesnar I would imagine that would be front page news across all of the MMA sites everywhere um which also leads me to think it's not MMA related at all because if it was a company like, you know, Bellator or any of the other kind of lesser known promotions uh, for MMA, then I would have thought that you would want to get that out as soon as possible to get more eyes on your product, knowing that, you know, Brock Lesnar, one of the best, arguably, uh, heavyweights of all time, just for contact sport slash pro wrestling in general, is, is going to be in your promotion. So it doesn't, to me... I. I I don't think that's going to be an MMA-related signing. And I could be completely way off with it. Um, but if that is the case, then and, you know, and it is a wrestling company, then who else could it be? Because realistically, where does Lesnar sit? Lesnar's got a big problem. There's a big problem with booking Brock Lesnar. Lesnar, at this point in his career, I think is, is the most difficult man to be able to book in a wrestling contest. Because... You just can't win. Like, no matter what you do now, you're not going to win. Lesnar first comes back to WWE in 2012. Shit, yeah, it was 12. So he first comes back in, in 2012. You know, we see basically the Lesnar we all wanted to see, right? We wanted to see Lesnar kind of be the UFC, you know, fuck everybody up. We saw that in that uh, returning match with Cena at Extreme Rules. And then, you know, disappointing finish. Cena kind of finished him off, polished him off pretty quickly at the end. But we saw it throughout the match. And he kind of just stumbled around for a bit. He was in like big match feuds. Triple H and Punk as well. So, yeah, I mean, he had those. But it wasn't... I, I think after the streak, that's that was the big turning point. I mean, the, the streak ending is still... Should be realistically in people's top 10 biggest what the fuck holy shit omg moments whatever you want to call it you know wwe me obviously it's, it's probably number one in wrestling of all time but uh you know it happened and then it was just kind of like well now what like a part-timer just beat taker at mania ended the streak and it the the buzz surrounding lesnar had kind of gone by this point like that's why nobody even really thought he was gonna win i'm sure there were some but Again, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm pretty sure the majority would have been, well, it's another win for Taker, right? I was. I, I didn't really, I, you know, didn't really think this was a snippet of doubt. So there should be, if it's booked right. But then you get the match at SummerSlam 2014, 
with uh, John Cena for the Unified Championships, the world title and the WWE title. So that match was not too long, <laughs> which would be, I think that was foreshadowing. Um, but like a hundred suplex, Cena got absolutely annihilated. And Cena was still that guy, really, at that point. And Lesnar fucked him. Like an actual squash. Cena actually got squashed in 2014. That was it was unbelievable to see. That generated buzz and excitement. They did a good job with Lesnar initially. They made you believe. Heyman made you believe. It was this good joint effort from a writing perspective, from a promo aspect, and then the match, how the matches were built. You know, I think that's the biggest problem, though, now with with Lesnar. It's the psychology of it, because as good as it was then, it went on for like a year, and then another year, and then another year, and then another year. And it's like, oh, my God, like, he's the champion. He's never there. So Raw has to build angles around you know anything other than their their top champion because he's not there most of the year and again i'm sure that it didn't help them with their ratings but like that but but then realistically what can you do because then when lesnar would lose it went from being like a wrestling match of just like lesnar's gonna pummel you to it being kind of like out of a like a fighting game like that's how those matches are it's just hit 100 finishes everyone's got to try and hit their finish straight away like it's always the same thing now, and it kind of that I think the Goldberg thing from Survivor Series twenty sixteen or seventeen, whenever that was, I think it was sixteen. So I think that kind of started that, and it just because like every time Lesnar's been beaten now, it's because like everyone's hitting their finishes like straight away. But that's that's all he is now. Like that's what they made him, and that and that's the thing. Like you pay Lesnar a lot of money for five to ten minutes. Um, and I get it. Like you, you don't want to bring him out all the time. He is an attraction. If you brought him out all the time, it gets stale. But then, how the hell did you manage to make it stale when he was only being brought out every now and then? Because he did get stale. It got very redundant, and it started. You know, we started going into territory we didn't need to go into. Mister Money in the Bank. Why? Lesnar didn't need Money in the Bank. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Now, admittedly, the beatbox stuff that he was doing with the briefcase was mildly entertaining like it did make me chuckle and you do want that in wrestling you do want to have a good time it doesn't always have to be serious you can have a you know you can have a laugh with stuff as well I'm not you know I'm not disregarding that but as much as that may have made you know and popped the fans it's not that the end game is where it falls apart because it's only in like you know one segment or a couple of segments where you can enjoy and appreciate that for what it is but as part of the larger picture, you're only popping the fans just for that one thing. You're supposed to be building to a finish, right? That's where the pop should really happen, is at the finish of a match. That's the whole point of a whole doing a whole angle that goes on for months, is that you build for a finish. Otherwise, what's the point? Unless there was no point to it, because there was never really a, a finish, or at least one that you could be satisfied with, because... Oh, I say that, and that's, that's a little unjust. Obviously... Rollins beating him at Mania was a finish everyone wanted to see, and that's great. Because, But it was the reason people wanted to see it was because they wanted the title off of Lesnar. You could have put Balor in there. You could have put fucking, well, you know, Ricochet. And, and I know he, Ricochet had only just come up from NXT by that point. You could have put anybody in there, I think, against Lesnar to get that title off of people. That's what people wanted. And I know that's kind of the point. Like, that's well, then that's good. He's a heel. But... Not to the point where people don't want to watch it anymore. Like the whole product. And I don't want to put that all on Lesnar. But he's, he's you know, to my original point, he's difficult to book. Because in WWE's defence, what do you do? You book him against a Ricochet. Okay? People love Ricochet. He's an exceptional talent. Another one of those guys who just for some reason, just gets underutilised by WWE. They bring him out like a, for a bit, like they are at the minute. Hopefully they keep it and they keep, you know, keep pushing. But then oftentimes it's just like, oh, he's out for a bit and then that's it. Like, forgotten about for a while. But as much as I love Ricochet, in a real-life scenario, when you see Ricochet up against Lesnar in the ring, is, is Ricochet going to beat Brock Lesnar? 
Was it believable when Taker had a match with a little guy and put on a bit? Like, look at the Michaels ones then. We'll just go straight for the Michaels stuff. Was it a believable back and forth contest? Would personally say, yes, it was. Because Taker, as much of a monster that he was built, his his opponents, he would he could still make them look good. With Lesnar, I'm not saying Lesnar makes people look bad, but Lesnar's booked with that legit UFC thing. And that's, again, and this is why I hate it when wrestling has to reference MMA. It's impossible not to with Lesnar. He was a former UFC heavyweight champion. You can't not address it. But this is the problem. Because now... Lesnar will have good matches with the little guys, but then he, but what? He can go out there and absolutely annihilate Cena in a few minutes. He can annihilate Triple H. He can annihilate the Undertaker. He can end the streak, and you know a lot of it without breaking much of a sweat. He can do them all in like five minutes. But then you're, but then all of a sudden he'll have a good match with a little guy. I say little guy, and I'm like, but you know what I mean, like a smaller guy than Lesnar, so they look little next to Lesnar, but. And that's a longer match. Like, it's it's back... I don't get it. The psychology is all over the shop with it. It's so difficult to book him. And I kind of hope he's not in AEW. And if they if he is, I'm sure they'll, they'll figure something out. But AEW's problem for me is that they're a company that already doesn't have that many big guys. And even their biggest guys will not look big next to Lesnar. Two signings, however, that do seem quite likely is the signing of CM Punk and Brian Danielson, formerly Daniel Bryan. So these are really interesting. I mean, we're at the 10-year anniversary now of the uh, the Summer of Punk. We've not long had the anniversary, again, 10 years of the, the infamous pipe bomb on Monday Night Raw. And, <clears throat> I mean, the, the wrestling business really looked like it was going to change then. Uh, you know, we had CM Punk emerging as this this new top star and it was fresh everybody had wanted to see punk rise to the top for so long and he was white hot white hot for i mean but well pretty much throughout the summer and then the angle with triple h i think it was like night of champions or something obviously there that match there triple h went over very unnecessary the nash stuff bogged it down a bit i don't know it it, it trailed off but punk eventually got there became champion, was champion for over a year, still didn't get his Mania main event. Um, and obviously, some of the years after that, the rest is history, we all know it. And he walks out after the Royal Rumble 2014. And that kind of gave way to the the rise of Daniel Bryan, who, the, who was at that point the fans' favourite. The Yes movement, everybody wanted Daniel Bryan, it just didn't seem like it was in the plans. And I think it forced WWE's hand and they had no choice because the fans just took over the shows. So these two kind of have very similar careers, or at least career trajectories, I should say, when I can get it out. Um, But they have very similar paths in wrestling, in terms of they were the fans' choice. But, of course, then Brian's career cut very short with the injuries that he sustained and then the retirement. Uh, When he came back, it it was great. There was a big buzz, but... You know, we it, it wasn't ever quite the same. And he's very quietly left WWE. Now, the reports are that him and CM Punk have both agreed a contract with AEW. Now, again, until you see them on the TV, until you see them actually come out at AEW, uh, there's always going to be room for doubt. You know, obviously, a lot of these reports hold hold some weight. But until you see it, essentially, it's not. It hasn't happened. Um, I think the plan, uh, from what you can see online, is that Punk is looking to be debuting at the All Out pay per view uh, in Chicago for AEW, and Brian would be debuting towards the end of September in New York. Now, if that's the case, these signings will be probably two of the biggest if not the biggest signings that they've ever had i mean punk is without a doubt one of the most anticipated returns to pro wrestling probably of all time people still say his name they still chant his name in arenas today and i think people clamor for it now eventually look if, if he comes back and in, it's in an in-ring capacity eventually that will fade and that's because 
it's the longing for punk. It's it's that wanting what you don't have, but you want it. And then once you have got it, you know, people will move on to the next thing. Now, whether or not uh, they'd be back on a part-time basis, I think that seemed very likely for Brian, um, as some of the reports do seem to suggest that he would also be uh, wanting to work in New Japan, which would be an absolute phenomenal scenario for New Japan. Um, I don't know what Punk's kind of contract would be. I don't know how it would look. I again, if it's a part-time thing or, or what it would be. And it, as amazing it will be to see them both, and even though obviously, yes, the same as anything, the buzz will eventually sort of fade down, if they're booked in the right angles and in the right kind of matches with the right people, they can get a lot out of this. Because I'm not I'm not really against part-time wrestlers. I'm not. I, I think that, you know, going back to Brock, I think having wrestlers working part-time sometimes can be a good thing. Because when's it going to be? When's the next time you're going to see them? You can build that excitement. So I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I just don't think it worked in Lesnar's uh, predicament because they were putting the top belt on him. And I don't think that, you know, you, you should have to build storylines on your show with your world champion being absent and you build up to pay-per-views. Now, granted as well, AEW doesn't have as many pay-per-views as WWE does. So potentially that could still work out. Even on a part-time basis, you potentially could still see, you know, Brian Danielson and CM Punk at every pay-per-view for AEW because they just don't have as many throughout the calendar year. So it may not even make much of a difference. I think the biggest thing, though, and one of the criticisms is that whether it's like newly released talent or it's just WWE talent in general, it's obviously former WWE talent, the alumni, that are coming over to, to AEW. And I think there is a stigma now attached to that. At the same time, CM Punk is still one of the biggest names in wrestling, despite the fact that he's not even been in wrestling for nearly 10 years now. I mean, he left in 2014. His last match was Royal Rumble 2014. Seven years ago. So, I suppose it, should, it really probably just depends how they book them. I'm excited to see them no matter what. That initial pop to see them is great. But... You know, absolutely, let's put them in there with Darby Allen. Let's get that dream match that I mentioned in the last episode. Let's get Punk and MJF. You know, let's have these dream matches. Let's get the new guys over. That's got to be the long-term plan. And you can see guys like Christian Cage who came in, and they're doing exactly that. Matt Hardy is doing exactly that. You know, I think that hopefully would be the plan down the line, but... It's not to say that they shouldn't, you know, ever win anything, that there shouldn't be any, uh, that nothing should be built around them. They're huge names. And AEW would be silly to not want to hire huge names. Especially when at the moment, when you look at their product, they are slowly, I mean, three weeks on the trot, they've, they've gone over the million mark. And it's not far off of what Raw does. You know, let that sink in. It's not far off of what Raw's doing. You know, and that is supposed to be WWE's flagship show. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting news. I don't want to. I, I don't want to invest too much into it because I don't want to be disappointed. But saying that, you know, Dynamite just gone. They did the backstage segment with Sting and Darby, and it was so in your face, mentioning best in the world and. I mean, you may as well have... Every, Darby Allen may as well have just said everything except for the words CM Punk because it was so heavily implied that I would be really surprised now if AEW doesn't pull him out. Because would they really do that to you? I don't know. Maybe they would. Maybe they just troll the fans. But I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't see that happening. But the Daniel Bryan stuff or Bryan Danielson stuff is a bit colder. Um, not really... Not really much said about him at all so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens but it's exciting nonetheless um i'm gonna try and move away from dynamite now or well or AEW in general i should say but um do need to mention what's potentially <laughs> the best thing most funniest thing uh to have come out in the last week 
so the main event for Dynamite Just Gone was Nick Gage made his AEW debut as part of the Five Labours of Jericho, of course, which sees Jericho go up against a new challenge each week. There will be five of them. He has to overcome all five challenges in order to be able to face MJF one-on-one at the All Out pay-per-view. And it's been very entertaining so far. Uh, I know Ash believes that they're kind of doing this as part of a way to um, wind Jericho down, like a retirement angle type thing, where he's kind of doing, you know, the Sean Spears match was they're both Canadian and the... Uh, Nick Gage match, maybe relating to ECW, and although he never really had matches like that in ECW. And then, of course, next week it's been announced that we will have Juventud Guerrera against Jericho, so that's going to be brilliant. Uh, but yeah, this main event, Nick Gage, obviously great to see him uh, in front of, a, you know, on national TV, which is never where you thought you'd see Nick Gage, and have JR call one of his matches. Absolute, what, what a crazy world we live in right now. Um, but yeah, the main event... Nick Gage, for those who, who probably weren't familiar with him beforehand, uh, would have maybe been surprised by the fact that he brings out a pizza cutter. It's his signature weapon. He uses it all the time, all of his matches, the Deathmatch King and uh, predominantly GCW. So he brings it out. I mean, it's straight away, cuts Jericho's arm and then not long into the match, he's uh, whether he simulates it or whether he's actually, you know, cutting Chris, um, they're going for, you know, they're drawing blood. They're doing a spot where he's rubbing it over the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they cut the picture in picture. Now, bear in mind, I didn't see this live because I watch on Fight TV, so we don't get the picture in picture ads on Fight TV. So, for guys in the States, uh, anybody watching live national TV, wherever that was broadcast, um, you would have seen picture in picture at the moment when Gage had finished cutting Jericho up. A Domino's pizza ad airs. <laughs> and it's just. You can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it distasteful? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's preference. I can't. Re- I I don't think it's distasteful. I think it's fucking hilarious. I thought it was funny as soon as I saw it on Twitter. I, I had to. I pissed myself laughing. It was the fucking funniest thing. The Dominoes don't find it quite as funny, and um, they've been putting out. I think <laughs> comments about they weren't happy about it. But look, I mean. <sighs> It's publicity, right? I mean, yes, they're one of the sponsors. You got your ad slot. They played your ad, you know. They're threatening to potentially pull out a sponsor, so it maybe gives AW or at least puts them in, in you know, a, a bad light. But I, I don't think it necessarily puts them in a bad light so much. I mean, goodness sake, look back at the the Attitude Era. You know, some of the sponsors for, for things there. I mean, they were like family-friendly things. And you, you know, this is going on at a time when Trish is, you know, being made to go on all fours around the ring like a dog. You know, the cat's got her tits out. Um, Midian's naked. Val Venus is getting his dick chopped off. There's kennel from, kennel from hell, people eating dogs. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, this was just a pizza cutter over the head. I think it's because of the day and age we're in. Like, we've not seen that sort of thing on national TV for a long time. And some of the concerns were that, you know, actually, do people really want to see this anymore? It's probably going to turn people away. Actually, it doesn't look like that is the case. Um, I think the third hour... The third hour? That's that's what you get for looking at Raw. I think the final hour, or something along those lines of of Dynamite's episode uh, last week, um, or at least that match in particular, drew, I think, like 80,000 more people in for it. So... You know, and it was the advertised scheduled main event, so people knew what they were going to be getting, especially if you knew it was Nick Gage. Um, I don't know, maybe there's still a bit of a gap in the market there for it, but Tony Khan went for it. He was obviously happy with it. TNT obviously don't have, or seem to have a problem. It's just Domino's. So if Domino's pull out of the sponsorship, um, to be honest, I think I I I read somewhere that there are other companies that would jump in that slot. So, you know, it's up to Domino's really at the end of the day. They once had a press uh, release have to go out or a media release go out because basically they were acknowledging that they were shit and they did this big campaign about we're getting better. You know, so look, if you if you can put that out, uh, I don't want to smear dominoes, but, you know, at the same time, get a grip. For goodness sake, you paid for an advert, you got your advert. It was put in the most perfect place imaginable. 
<laughs> if anything, it got more publicity. But you know, I, I I talk shit about Domino's. I will have a meteor. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, it it just is a funny thing, and yeah, couldn't help but laugh. Could not help but laugh. Just like the rest of the world, very funny. But staying on the topic of Nick Gage, uh, Nick Gage was the GCW heavyweight champion. He was dethroned at GCW's homecoming event by none other than Matt Cardona. And if you've been following that rivalry, uh, I don't know what your take on it is. Personally, I think it's the best thing to have come out of GCW for a while. That's not to say GCW doesn't put anything good on. I enjoy GCW's products a lot. But this is very different and it's really fresh because Matt Cardona does not fit the mould at all. At all. But he's just the perfect heel for this situation. And he took the title off of Gage and then you could see online, I was flicking through, the internet was (laughs) just in uproar. Uh, I, I see comments online about why... Because and this this is the beauty of this GCW angle with Cardona is that like there 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 are people out there that are genuinely genuinely offended and they are so upset with Cardona taking the title off a of Gage like to the point they're like I don't understand it I don't get why and I think some of the speculation is well you know obviously if Gage was going to go over to AEW lose to Jericho um, it looks better if. It's not GCW's main champion losing to Jericho on AEW. Uh, I've seen put, I've, I've seen people put that out there, and I read that, and I kind of thought, you know what, that would make sense. Like I, I can see that, but to the same token, I mean Janela, Janela's AEW, and he's GCW. Like nobody sort of looks at it that way. But I I don't know. I mean, but there are people that are genuinely really upset about it, and it's it's a great angle. Like. That's exactly what you're meant to do. You're meant to be upset. But I think some people are genuinely really fucked off about it. It's a passionate fan base. Wrestling's a passionate fan base anyway, but especially like with promotions like GCW and the deathmatch scene, like people are really passionate and, and very loyal. I think I think I think you find I I'll be honest, I think fans are more loyal in the deathmatch scene um than your sort of more mainstream wrestling. You know, they will defend their guys to the bitter end and it's great but that's why it makes this rivalry great because Cardona plays it up perfectly I mean he's fucking everyone off you see the photo with <laughs> he says oh, I had to give the title a belt bath because you don't know where it's been and to be fair it's a really nice looking belt <laughs> he took it to Disneyland he had his Disneyland sunglasses on oh my god the guy's like it's great it is honestly it's great because again now you're gonna pay to see like you really want Cardona to get fucked up in one of these shows. You can't tell me you're not gonna want to see like Cardona against Schlack, and like the people are gonna be like, oh my god, I hope Schlack absolutely destroys him. And then if Cardona beats him as well, people are gonna be so mad. I think the stigma of being a former WWE guy is enough to get you at least some sort of heat in GCW if you don't already fit their mold. Like Moxley. He's so anti-WWE at this point that he, he will get pops in GCW. And he's got the background of CZW. He's got a background of work in the bingo halls. You know, like, he's got that people respect him. Whereas a Matt Cardona, who probably, for lack of a better term, is kind of WWE cookie cutter to a sense that... Um, I mean, he, he went to WWE as like a, a very young man. You know, and he grew up in the WWE machine. So, you know, hence why I say, like, a, a cookie cutter is probably not the right term for it. But but he's, he's a WWE guy, and I think that's that's enough to rile you. But Cardone is that, inte- like, he's intelligent enough to know that, like, he can really get under people's skin with it. And that makes him an ideal heel. John Moxley, I mean, yeah, it would have been great. Moxley engage, and it'll, you know, be one of those all-time people who talk about it matches and... But actually, this has got this. I think this is better. I think having Cardona generate this heat. The, Moxley wasn't going to generate this heat. Cardona can generate this heat, and he's not afraid to do it. 
And that, and I think that is a better. I think this is a better outcome for GCW, and I can't wait to see what happens down the road with it. Um, but yeah, and again, whether or not we see more of Gage and AEW, I don't know. We probably won't see more of Gage and Dominoes together at the same time on the on the same screen. But um, yeah, very very cool from GCW. So looking forward to seeing where that goes down the road. Um, I probably should have mentioned it at the beginning. Again, though, I was. <laughs> I wasn't really prepared to to be doing this one on my own. Um, But with the Malachi Black debut for AEW, obviously uh, that came days after the Zelina Vega return to WWE. So that was quite head-scratching. That was in line uh, with the build to Money in the Bank, which of course has now been and gone. Uh, Nikki Ash, that character, whether you love it or you hate it, it's gotten screen time. And um, she very rightfully, I think, picked up the win. And then cashed in the next night on Charlotte and has become the champ. And that's really cool. That's really cool to see. Because Nikki's one of those uh, talents that, you again, you talk about it a lot about people being underutilised. And Nikki is definitely one of those for the women's division. Quite puzzling, really, with WWE. Because I have said before, um, you know, I do think WWE, pound for pound, has the best women's division in the world. In terms of just the, you know, or at least at one point they they certainly did, you know, with the names that they had, but somehow it still feels quite thin uh, with each roster. But you know, again, they've got talent there. It's just you have to be pushing them. You've got to make them relevant. You know, they've got to mean something. There needs to be credibility. And I think maybe people's worries with the Nikki Ash character is that you know she comes out as this superhero. Some call it the Mighty Molly knockoff. And I think that they were concerned that maybe that takes away credibility of the character. But look, you know, wrestling is has always been uh, filled with crazy characters, you know. And sometimes crazy, the crazier the character, the more they get over. Sometimes the crazier the character, the more of a glass ceiling, I guess, there is. And I think that was probably the, the fear for Nikki. But... You know, depending on what they do down the road, you can't take that away from her. She won money in the bank. She's cashed in. She's become the Raw Women's Champion. Really good feel-good moment, uh, I think, on on that episode of Raw. And to pin Charlotte for it as well, that's no small feat. Charlotte, arguably, is the... I say arguably, but I think we all know. But Charlotte is the uh, leading woman for, for WWE, uh, at least until Becky comes back. And then I think we're probably going to have... Uh, a clash there, but that will, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. If that does happen, that'll be great. But yeah, really good to see. And then, of course, the men's, uh, my personal favourite of the night, saw Big E win the Money in the Bank contract. And Big E is one of those, he was there initially in NXT as a singles guy, former NXT champion, but before NXT had really uh, got to the stage where I think it is now. You know, the NXT that we all kind of know and love it was he, he was part of the initial foundation to building that and you know he came up to the main roster floundered around a bit you know he was in the tag team with Dolph and it was it was good but nothing really sort of happened for Big E until the new day and we've said before and I've said before that I, I do I consider the new day to be one of the best tag teams in WWE history. And, you know, when you look at the amount of gold they've won, and I know you can't really sort of base it on that. I suppose from a kayfabe standpoint, you certainly can. But, you know, again, to say the best of all times and things, it's always a very subjective list. Uh, But, but, you know, I I do. In, In personal opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinions, New Day is one of the best of all time. But the only sort of talent from the stable that's really had any success as a single star is Kofi. And that was both before and during. You know, Kofi wasn't uh, uh, struggling. I I, I guess he didn't really have too much going on leading into it. There was a lot of back and forth one-on-ones with Ziggler over the IC title and things. And, you know, he was sort of put into a few different tag teams here and there. You know, like with Airborne and among other things. And, you know, but he, he still had a successful singles run. I mean, there was the time he was even looking to get pushed, you know, with the rivalry uh, against Orton, I think, back in 
I think it was 2009. Um, you know, he, he was. He, he was having a good singles run. New Day kind of, again, revitalised him and show, showed us like another side of Kofi, but also made a tag team that wasn't just one of these throw-together tag teams, and it ended up being, like I say, one of the best tag teams in WWE history. But Biggie is at a point now where, again, like Kofi, during the New Day run, became the WWE champion, and a fantastic moment for just wrestling as a whole, and obviously, you know, the black community as well, to see a black world champion crowned at WrestleMania, nonetheless. And, you know, that's, it's like the peak of his career so far. And now to see Big E potentially get this, this same rub, uh, well, I don't know, there's, you can count a lot of guys that, that probably do deserve it, but I think you'd have to put Big E at the top of the list right now. I think it was 100% the right choice. Um, so, you know, kudos to WWE. you got to give credit where it is due. But, you know, they're building Big E. I think they are taking him serious as a, you know, a serious star going forwards. I guess it just depends on what they're going to do, what the, the finish is going to be, what the end game is, what the payoff is. Because... Biggie currently on SmackDown, there is the uh, shake-up or the draft or whatever they'll call it uh, coming up soon. So, you know, as much as I want to see Biggie versus Roman, and I think that would be a, a hell of a match, I think Roman's got enough going on already. There's a lot of intertwining stories going on with that whole Roman and, uh, you know, Uso and everything else with Cesaro and Edge and Rollins. There's, there's so much already going on there that I don't think it needs Biggie. At this stage, I think Big E to Raw probably is the right move and have him feud with Lashley. And whilst Lashley's already kind of got this thing going on with Kofi there as well, there's a lot you can do. And I think that's what Raw needs anyway. Raw needs that that top angle where there is a lot of intertwining stories. It needs to have that long term sort of feel to it that, you know, it can keep rolling off of and it needs to keep you on your toes and keep guessing, you know, because the closer Big E probably gets to to Kofi and then, you know, also Woods, the more questions it raises, you know, is there going to be a heel turn? If there is, who turns on who? Does Big E even run away with the title? Like, what happens? It, But that, that's, what you, that's what you need. Like, you need that in wrestling. You need to be able to speculate. No, I think not to the point where sometimes I think we can theorise too much and you kind of almost want it exactly one way. And if you don't get it that way, you become too disappointed and you can't appreciate maybe what it is that you, you have been given. I do think that is a problem a lot of the times in wrestling. Sometimes it is just genuinely a case that it is just bad booking. And there's there's no there's no two ways about it. But sometimes I think it is just a case that, you know, you wanted it one way, you didn't get it that way. Actually, it wasn't that bad, really. It's just because it just wasn't the way that you thought it would go. So, yeah, it's all well and good. Definitely theorise. Definitely speculate. It's a lot of fun. And it's it's one of the, the you know, it's one of the good things about being a fan. Like, you want to be talking about it. And this is one of those things that can get you talking. But, yeah, Big E, Mr. Money in the Bank, well-deserved, well-earned, long overdue. Nikki Ash, Mrs. Money in the Bank, uh... Well, formally, because now the Raw Women's Champion. And again, well-deserved. Probably overdue, but, you know, it's great. It's great to see her on TV. Um, sticking with the topic of Roman, uh, well, more, uh, or to be more accurate, Jimmy Uso. Uh, Jimmy recently had gone down again for another DUI. Um <sighs> It's tricky to really know what to say with those kind of things because, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not one of the. And it, it, again, look, you know, we do a podcast, so you talk about rumors, you talk about a lot of different things that you see online. But I'm always very careful, I think, when it comes to people's personal lives because you don't, I don't know what's going on, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's not my place to comment on what I think should be done where Jimmy should be punished this, Jimmy should be punished that. It's not my place. I mean, do I have opinions on it? Of course, you know, but at the same time, it's a tricky situation. Um, 
in, in a normal job, you know, wherever you guys listen, you work in an office or you work retail, you work outdoors, whatever it is you do for a living, if you were arrested for drink driving and, you know, it was just a case that like you, you got points on your license or, you know, you, you might have to spend the night in jail or, or whatever it was. Would your employer punish you? You know, in, a, in an everyday normal life scenario, would your employer punish you? I'm sure that there are some lines of work where that does happen, but other lines of work, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, I know Jimmy's in a different position. He's in the entertainment business. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> he's he's got a responsibility because he's so accessible and visible to everybody that watches the product. You know, and that includes young minds. It includes younger people, children. But, again, it's it's... It's a tricky thing. I hope that if there's anything going on, you know, in his life and things like that, that, that makes him do that. I don't know. But I hope if there's anything going on like that, that he can sort through it. And again, it's it's more important to be healthy and, and get yourself into a good place than anything else. You know, wrestling should always come secondary to your own personal life and, and your health. But um, it is sad to see, obviously, because it's not the first time. But... Phew, He's still being featured. Um, can only imagine that, you know, there have been words said. But to be honest, if he have to choose between a punishment or actually does does he just need help and actually he is getting that help? Has he already been punished behind the scenes and people don't know? You know, we don't have those answers. And realistically, it's not really for us to know. So, but it, it made the news. Again, disappointing to see. Um, you don't want to put other lives in danger, you know, let alone yourself as well. But... Yeah. Hopefully he can work through it. But um, I think probably in closing, there probably is still a lot more news and <laughs> to go through. But I, just, I can't think of what what would be, uh, what, what would have been missed now at this point. Because I'm tired and I've talked to myself now for, uh, it's only around about an hour actually. So you guys are, you guys are pretty lucky. Uh, it wasn't the two hours that I threatened. I threatened earlier, but uh, yeah, I think in terms of what we've got coming up, obviously it's the month of August. Probably then by the time this is released, recording this on the thirty first of July. Um, so I think the the month of August always. You know, we've got SummerSlam. Uh, we're going to have All Out pretty much toward well the end slash early September, and then. You know, there's a lot of, lot of wrestling in between. And August is always an exciting month, I think, aside from Mania period and things like that. You, you get, you know, a lot happen during the, the summer months. People are out and about now. I'm hoping that everybody's out there is, is staying safe, enjoying wrestling, enjoying your lives. <laughs> Go out in freedom. <laughs> but of course, you know, just remember, just be safe wherever you go. Uh, be considerate towards others. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I am sorry. Uh, It is just me. I know it's not the same. But once again, I do promise for the next one, three of us will be back together. We will cover Brock Lesnar's UFC run. And that will probably be all together. So we're going to sit down and we're going to watch all of those. If you have any uh, comments, anything that you want to sort of let us know, any thoughts that you have on things I've shared today on the episode... You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's all at Three Men One Fall. Do let us know what you think, even if you disagree. Uh, those are sometimes the best kind of conversations. It's always good to see other people's uh, points of view. Um, but yeah, I ho- once again, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you have, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon, Audible. There's Stitcher, there's, there's a few. But yeah, and if you are on Apple Podcasts, do leave us a review. It does help us out a lot. But um, the fact that you're here and, and you've spent time out of your day to listen, you know, we couldn't really ask for even much more than that. So we'd really do appreciate it. But drop us a follow if you've enjoyed it and you want more. I have been Russ. This has been Three Men, One Fall. <laughs> sort of. 
and yeah until next time see you later guys Boom. I did it I did it